Did you know that the 4th of July is on a Thursday this year? That's going to be a full weekend of fun out on the deck. Four days. But if your deck isn't what it used to be and you aren't using it for great family gatherings, you need to call my friends at All Weather Decks. All Weather Decks is a 24-time winner of the Angie Super Service Award. And they probably help one of your neighbors. Click on the map link at allweatherdecks.net. Call All Weather Decks today at 913-206-1974 or go to allweatherdecks.net and mention you heard it on 810. Call now and relax. Garrettson and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. We are back with another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. Shout out to our presenting sponsors, starting with Garrettson and Toth. They handle the most complex felony, federal, or state criminal defense cases. You'll find them in doing that successfully, helping criminal defendants all over the Kansas City area and Northeast Kansas for years. Also, be sure to visit Kim Howard and Associates Agency at 150 Metcalf in Overland Park, or give Tim, Kim and her team a call at 913-649-2002. That's 913-649-2002 for a quote on your home and auto insurance today. And if you call that number and mention that you heard their ad here on The Shift, they will give you a free $10 gift card to Starbucks to use on whatever you would like, coffee, breakfast items, tea, it's your 10 bucks. All you got to do is mention that you heard their ad here on The Shift by calling that number at 913-649-2002 today. I've heard this debate go back and forth in regards to the Kansas City Chiefs after a big win against the Cincinnati Bengals returning to the Super Bowl for the third time in four years. And the question is brought up, are you satisfied? Would this be enough? And I think as a football fan, you can be complacent. You can be appreciative because what the Chiefs are doing right now is likely something we'll never see again. Uh, The reign of dominance over the AFC has only been done by one team before, and that was the New England Patriots. They had their dynasty, six Super Bowl rings with Tom Brady, always won the AFC East. Brady won an MVP. Nobody could win in Foxborough. Now, the Chiefs don't have anywhere near the dynasty that the Patriots have. I mean, first things first, got to win multiple Super Bowls, and the Chiefs will get their chance next Sunday night. But I think you also can step into reality a little bit, appreciate what the Chiefs have done, but also not be satisfied. Because the point of making a Super Bowl, of course, is to win it. You know, you can buy a t-shirt, buy a poster, hang a banner for winning the AFC. You know, right now I could go online and buy AFC West Championship t-shirts, AFC Championship t-shirts, but I don't want to. I don't want to buy a Super Bowl t-shirt with the Chiefs logo and the Eagles logo on it. Not until I know the outcome of this game. It's why in Kansas City, of course, we hold the 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl in such high regard and now think of the Chiefs Buccaneers Super Bowl as an afterthought. We don't think too much of it. We don't think too much back on that season. Though it was a global pandemic season, the Chiefs won 14 games in the regular season. Could have won 15 if they didn't rest all their starters, but we kind of forget what happened that year. You can appreciate what they did, how many games they won. There were thrilling games. There were fun times that season, 
But now Kansas City has set this bar where you got to win the Super Bowl. And I think you can be appreciative of what's happened, this current run, this era of Chiefs football, only knowing AFC championships as the bottom, the bare minimum, but also understand that when you make a Super Bowl, it's all about capitalizing. You can't let these opportunities slip. Because if the Chiefs lose next Sunday, no, they didn't lose to a bad football team. The Philadelphia Eagles are a very, very good team. They're very well coached. They have a very good quarterback, very good running game, multiple pro bowlers on their offensive line, multiple pro bowlers on the defensive side of the ball. They've got a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense. Losing to them would not be a massive upset. Losing to them wouldn't be disastrous. But I think for what you've been able to accomplish over these last five years to only say you've won one Super Bowl would be disappointing, I think. And maybe I'm holding this team in in too high of regard. The fact they won their division, won the AFC, won 16 games without a Hall of Fame wide receiver and a soft rebuild year, that is absolutely impressive. And that should be noted going in to the Super Bowl that the Chiefs accomplished a hell of a lot this year. And they've built a massive window. They've extended their window, trading away Tyreek Hill, drafting all of these rookies that now are impact starters, and you've stretched out that competitive window two or three years because you saved some money, you got talent, you drafted well. That's what the good teams do. But it also goes back to the point of what we were talking about prior to the AFC Championship game and how we would feel if the Chiefs lost to the Bengals. Yes, it would have been back-to-back years, losing in the AFC Championship game at home to the same team. But it also would have been the fact that the Chiefs would be under 500 in five consecutive AFC Championship games at home. A losing record. New England, Cincinnati twice. You would have beaten the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills in a COVID year. You wouldn't have felt too good. You could appreciate what they had done, set themselves up nicely, but when you have this type of run, when you have only home playoff games... When you get favorable matchups, you have to capitalize. That's why the Chiefs' 2020 Super Bowl win was so important. Number one, it was their first Super Bowl in 50 years, but the Chiefs capitalized on being gifted some great opportunities. The Chiefs were the two seed that year. Miami beat out New England in the final game of the regular season, which moved Kansas City from the three to the two. Then the number one seed Baltimore Ravens lost to the Titans. And the Titans eliminated New England and Baltimore in back-to-back weeks. So instead of going to Baltimore for the AFC Championship game, they get a host, the Tennessee Titans, with Ryan Tannehill. Capitalized. Beat them, moved on to the Super Bowl. Instead of getting Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, the Chiefs get Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners. Now, a very good Niners team, great defense, great coach, but that's capitalizing. You know, in the COVID year, You got Cleveland in the divisional round. You capitalized. You got Buffalo. And Buffalo was very good, but maybe not at the same level that they are now. Uh, They were still considered the spunky underdog, got hot at the right time. Josh Allen was thriving. And you handled them pretty easily. Then you got Tom Brady and Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. And you couldn't capitalize because you were so banged up. But I think in seasons like this, and what you've been able to do, You always have to take advantage when somebody gifts you an opportunity. 
with the Chiefs getting the one seed this year, they didn't have to go through Buffalo and Cincinnati. They got Jacksonville in the divisional round. And what I'm trying to get across here is those sort of opportunities don't just happen every single year. You can set yourself up to succeed. You can get the one seed, win your division, have home field. But the matchups are so important. And when you have opportunities like this, beating Cincinnati, your boogeyman, there's no guarantee you get back to that spot next year, as hard as that may seem, because Patrick Mahomes has only known hosting the AFC Championship game at bare minimum. That has been the lowest point the Chiefs can get to since Mahomes took over. That's absurd. It's a one in a million chance that happening at random, as Jesse Neal astutely pointed out before the game on Sunday night against Cincinnati. That's how rare it is. But when you have these rare opportunities, you can't let them slip. We all are are big boys, big girls here. We understand that the Chiefs playing in the Super Bowl is a big deal. Appreciate that. Enjoy that time. But if the Chiefs lose next Sunday, how will you remember this year? Will you really remember the Cincinnati game? Will you really remember the Jacksonville game? Will you remember the 14 wins in the regular season? Likely not. I mean, I go back to the 2020 year a handful of times. I can pinpoint multiple times that year. Game-changing moments. I remember big plays. I remember the losing streak. I remember losing to Jacoby Brissett on Sunday Night Football. I remember Patrick Mahomes dislocating his kneecap. I remember Matt Moore playing Green Bay in Minnesota. I remember Damian Williams' 90-plus yard touchdown run against the Vikings. I remember all of it. I remember from start to finish that season. You know, Frank Clark's debut in Jacksonville. You know, across the board, you remember those matchups. You remember the Chiefs playing against the Chargers. You remember those games against the Raiders where Patrick Mahomes on one foot threw for 440 against the Raiders because that year ended in a championship. You go back, you think of that team fondly, you remember everything about it. You remember every postseason game, every quarter. That's what happens when you win a Super Bowl. If you were to ask me to recount games in 2021, the COVID year, I could tell you, you know, certain moments of that season, but I don't look back at that season many times. It was a fun season. The Chiefs were damn good. They steamrolled everybody. They lost one game, and I believe one game with all their starters out there was against the Raiders and a shootout at home. And lost to the Chargers in the final game of the regular season with Chad Henney starting that game. Then they were in the postseason, beat the Browns, beat the Bills, lost to the Bucks. That's pretty much what I remember about that year. Now this year, you can have a little bit of recency bias and go, well, I'll still remember everything that happened. Yeah, I'll remember the postseason games, but it's why the Chiefs have to win next Sunday night. You get to three Super Bowls in four years, you got to win two of them. You absolutely have to. And I can chalk up that the COVID year loss to the Buccaneers has an asterisk for me. Now the Buccaneers beat him straight up. They kicked the Chiefs' ass. But in my heart, I feel like if the Chiefs were 100% in that game, they win. We saw in the regular season against Tampa Bay that year. The Chiefs' offense dominated. Really dominated Tampa Bay. When you didn't have your offensive line, your defense wasn't very good in the game, couldn't stop the run, couldn't stop Ronald Jones, who now is a Chief, of course, couldn't stop Tom Brady, couldn't get off the field. It happens. You got your ass kicked. But it's a memory that you kind of wipe clean. When you lose the Super Bowl, as great as it is playing in the Super Bowl, and Chiefs fans have 
you know, very have become accustomed to it, basically. You know, it kind of feels like you're always going to get that chance. You can look at this team and go, they are a Super Bowl contender year in and year out as long as 15 is there. But it isn't that simple, right? It's not that simple as just thinking every single year this team's going to be there. And like I said before, the only team that's really been a consistent Super Bowl contender every other year was New England. Now, New England had the, the even years. And even on the years they were down, they lose in the divisional round of losing the AFC Championship on the road, something like that. And I think that is in the future for Kansas City. I think one way or another, whether the Chiefs are 10-7 and or 15-2, and they're going to be a tough out. They just always are. And one day Patrick Mahomes is going to play a road postseason game and they're going to slip up. There is going to come a time, folks, in Kansas City football with Patrick Mahomes, they're going to slip up, which is why when you get to this point, You beat your boogeyman Cincinnati. You beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. You have people doubting you. You got to cash in. It's so vitally important that you cash in. And to beat Philly with everything that's on the line, the storylines, Andy Reid, who hasn't lost to the Eagles since coming to Kansas City. He's 3-0 against them. You have the Kelsey brothers. You have two black quarterbacks starting for the first time in Super Bowl history. Everything across the board screams just a massive massive moment in football history and it also kickstarts your dynasty right any team any quarterback uh, easier said than done but any quarterback in reality could run into one Super Bowl one quarterback could get lucky hell let's talk about the Eagles Nick Foles has a Super Bowl ring that is a quarterback running into a Super Bowl Patrick Mahomes has the same amount of Super Bowl rings as Nick Foles not comparing them not saying they're the same But when you get that second, you get that third, you completely change the conversation. I think Patrick Mahomes is the most gifted quarterback we've ever seen. Sounds biased. I get it. I'm not going to change my opinion on it. I think he's the most gifted quarterback and right now pacing to be one of the winningest quarterbacks we've ever seen. Now, next to Tom Brady. But will he ever catch Tom Brady? I don't think so. I don't see Patrick Mahomes winning seven Super Bowls. We've talked about this on the show before. Tom Brady benefited from a very weak division and a weaker AFC. Patrick Mahomes is never going to have that. Every team is going to be gunning for the Chiefs from now to the end of time. As long as 15's there, people are going to try to construct their rosters to beat the Chiefs. And some years it's going to happen. There is going to come a time that Patrick Mahomes doesn't win the AFC West. There's going to come a time the Chiefs are knocked out in the wildcard round. It happens. Which is why in the prime window that you're in right now, it's about maximizing and getting that second Super Bowl ring. And it is a impossible task, nearly impossible task, what Mahomes is doing. To have this run of dominance, probably going to get his second MVP. In fact, I feel very strongly now to just go out and say it. He's going to win his second MVP. If he wins the Super Bowl, you're talking about before he is 28 years old, two MVPs, Two Super Bowl rings, a Super Bowl MVP. Who knows what happens next Sunday if he is another Super Bowl MVP type of candidate. I'm sure he is going into the game, but never lost in his division. Always been an AFC West champion. The accolades are enough to get you in the Hall of Fame now. I saw a tweet the other day. If Patrick Mahomes walked away for good right now, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. That's how good he's been early on in his career. But I think as Chiefs fans, when you are seeing this type of run, uh, the the accolades mounting up, and not just Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, no, this Chiefs team, 
to know you traded away a Hall of Fame wide receiver and still found a way to get back to the Super Bowl. That shows you how great it's going to be for the next decade plus. This team is maybe better than those New England teams that found ways to win Super Bowls. But that also brings me back to that point. You have more talent than maybe those New England teams. Maybe not a better defense, but offensively, you were better than New England. You know, Patrick Mahomes early on in his career has been much better than Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady has the rings, which is why everybody's going to call him the GOAT. And that may never be touched. When I was watching Colin Coward on the herd yesterday, and he brought up a great point, that Bill Russell has all these rings, right? But we never call him the GOAT. We call Jordan, we call LeBron the GOAT. And not because they've got more rings, because Bill Russell's got all those rings. But it's because of the transcendent talent that they are. They are must-watch TV. You watch Michael Jordan. He got all the rings in Chicago. Had a year in which they lost less than 10 games. The Bulls dominated the NBA. Now LeBron, he had a different path. You know, early on in Cleveland, he was a one-man show and still got to, you know, the playoffs were a tough out. But then he went to Miami, got his rings there, has multiple rings now. You may call LeBron the GOAT because he's more physically gifted, more talented as a basketball player. That's how I kind of view Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to get the rings that Tom Brady is. If Patrick Mahomes gets three in his career, I think that is more than a hell of a career. He win more than two Super Bowls and the current climate of the NFL, that's absurd. You go to all the great quarterbacks right now in the league. Josh Allen, I don't see winning multiple. Joe Burrow's not winning multiple. Justin Herbert's not winning multiple. Lamar Jackson's not winning multiple. Some of those guys are never going to win one. And if you get three and you're a multiple-time MVP, you have all these passing yard records, passing touchdown records, already two seasons he's done for over 5,000 yards. That's the type of player he is. Talent-wise, physically gifted, he is the best quarterback I think we've ever seen. Tom Brady is not the most physically gifted quarterback. He had a weaker arm, not mobile. But he was highly intelligent, very coachable, and he won a lot of Super Bowls. He won a lot of rings. And you can never take that away from Tom Brady. He left New England, first year in Tampa, won a Super Bowl. If you want to characterize him as the GOAT, it's because he maximized every single opportunity. And he could have double-digit Super Bowl rings. He lost some Super Bowls. He lost two to Eli Manning. He lost to Nick Foles. But he also maximized in years where he was gifted, you know, maybe a Super Bowl win. You know, playing Jared Goff and the Rams instead of a much better Saints team. You know, playing some lesser teams early on in his career. But also you can't take anything away because the Patriots did exactly what the Chiefs need to be doing. Need to be focusing on. You are playing a very good Philly team. But also a Philly team that has had a very soft and weak schedule. That's something you factor in. I think the Niners team that the Chiefs played in 2020, is better than this Eagles team. This Eagles team is better offensively, but they don't have anywhere near as good of a defense, a pass rush as that Niners team did. And that is a very good Philly pass rush right now, but the Niners were different in 2020. And right now, the NFC is maybe the weakest point that we've seen since Patrick Mahomes took over as starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. And you look back years from now, when Patrick Mahomes got to a Super Bowl because the conferences are going to change. The NFC is going to have a year where they are better than the AFC. They're going to have a top dog. You know, we're seeing the end of some of the the old-era quarterbacks with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, likely on their way out here in the next couple of years. 
Now, those guys are going to be gone. The old age NFL is dying. But the new age is going to bring in new talent. Bigger arms, faster quarterbacks, higher IQs, just more talent all the way around. So Patrick Mahomes on maximizing his window, it's about winning these ones now. Not saying that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles aren't a good team. I just think there will be better ones down the road. So when you get to three Super Bowls in your first five years, you got to cash in on two. You have to maximize the window for not only yourself, but for Kansas City as a franchise. I mean, Kansas City is already a very confident, prideful city, and they love their football. Even when the Chiefs were terrible, they loved the Chiefs. They packed Arrowhead Stadium. But now in this level of eliteness, this level of accomplishing nearly the impossible every single year, breaking records, having the talent, trading away star players and still getting star players through the draft. They are setting themselves up to be competing for multiple Super Bowls. But like we've seen before, there's never a guarantee, no matter how the storylines are written, there's never a guarantee you just get there every single year. You can have the hope. But once you get there, I don't think you can walk away and just say, well, we got to the Super Bowl. That's good enough for us. This Chiefs team is damn good. We may have criticized them. Hell, I criticized them at the beginning of the year. They barely beat bad teams. They had turnover problems. Special teams sucked. The defense was mediocre. They're here now. They're in the Super Bowl. And I think if you lose next Sunday, I'm not walking away from this year going, you know what? They still did really well. I think I can definitely, I guess, appreciate the fact that they won 16 games. They won their division, won the AFC, beat Cincinnati. I can appreciate all of that. That is no denying the team was good. But when you have a really good team, nothing, and I mean nothing, makes the season sweeter than ending it with a championship. I always love bringing up the quotes from Moneyball. And I know it's baseball. I know this is the NFL. But anybody who's watched that movie remembers a very specific clip, a very specific quote from Billy Bean, who was played by Brad Pitt. He said, nobody gives a bleep if you don't win the last game of the year. Right? Nobody remembers who lost in the Super Bowl in 1982. Nobody remembers the runner-up. Nobody remembers second place. Now, you may say, well, some people forget who the champion is after 40, 50 years. I get it. Right, but a lot of the times you forget second place because second place isn't first place. And the Eagles, having the same record as the Chiefs, are likely feeling the same way. It is very rare to have a 16-win season, and it's very rare to get to the Super Bowl. You're bound to have a hiccup. You're bound to have injuries. Something is going to go wrong down the stretch, and these teams are now there. And I think both understand the fan bases, of course, go, it's got to end in the Super Bowl win. I can appreciate the success the Chiefs have had, but also maximizing on these opportunity is what I'm looking for. If the precedent is always being this good, hosting five consecutive AFC Championship games, getting to multiple Super Bowls in four years, three of them, in fact, and being on the doorstep of four straight, well, then I'm going to expect Super Bowl wins, multiple at that. If you're always getting there, always in the realm of success, then your fan base and the people that cover you are going to go, all right, well, I'm always going to expect more then. Not to say that the season's a loss, it's a destructful season, it sucked, it was terrible. Not saying that at all. But you'll always be left wanting more. 
And I think if the Chiefs lose on Sunday night, we'll look back, or next Sunday night, excuse me, you look back and go, I was left wanting more. Because you lost to Cincinnati the year before, you lost to Tampa Bay two years ago, to lose to Philly next Sunday night. As It's not a bad thing to lose in the Super Bowl. It's really not. Everybody understands that. You lose to the number one seed in the NFC, that's not bad. The Eagles were a very good football team. But you also understand the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, and you are the team that's always getting to the Super Bowl. You don't want to be the Bills of the early 90s, you know, four straight Super Bowl losses. And I understand once you win the first ring, some of that pressure comes off your shoulders. You're not feeling like you're always choking. And the Chiefs are not a team that choke. Yeah, you're going to lose a couple of big games, but so did New England. And Patrick Mahomes' legacy should not be defined by matching Tom Brady's Super Bowl rings. But also to get into that realm of conversation of, is he the greatest of all time? you got to win a couple. And I think it has to start on Sunday night. You get that second, it changes a lot. And it changes a lot about how people perceive you. Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, I mean, he is like God here. He is the best thing. Some people say the best thing to ever happen to Kansas City sports. A transcendent franchise quarterback. But to the national media, one of the knocks could be if he loses Sunday night, he's gotten multiple Super Bowls, but he's not cashing in. And he's got these great teams and these great coaches. Keep in mind, Travis Kelsey's not going to be around forever. He's not getting any younger. Andy Reid's not going to be around forever. There could be some changes. There could be some years where guys get hurt and you can't overcome it, which is why when you get there, it's all about winning it. Not saying the year's a total loss if they lose to the Eagles, but if you beat the Eagles, now you're talking about a different type of Chiefs franchise, a dynasty in the making. You win one, any team can run into one. Now, Carolina got to a Super Bowl, lost to the Broncos, but they were 15-1. and one. Haven't been back since, have been mostly irrelevant. Not saying the Panthers are the Chiefs, but you can see some teams just luck their way into a Super Bowl. Any team can get one. I know some teams still have zero, but you think about it. Some teams have just walked their way to one. Some really good teams have won the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs are a very good team. But you get two, and you get two in five years, now you're talking about a dynasty. Now you can actually say this is a dynasty. I've always believed that to be the case. You win one, that's great. You win your first in 50 years, fantastic. You win two, now we're talking about a dynasty. It's like the Warriors in the NBA. They won one, and you said, okay, that's great for them. They were a damn good team. Then you win two. Then you win three, and people are going, man, they are the most unstoppable force we've ever seen in the NBA. And I think as Chiefs fans, you want to have that title that nobody can take from you. The Chiefs win two. They're going to last five years. There has been no team more dominant than the Kansas City Chiefs, no quarterback better than Patrick Mahomes. And that's what I think is at stake on the line against the the Bengals, the Eagles, next Sunday night. Marco, before we head to break and talk some college basketball, it does feel like a lot is on the line, of course, being the Super Bowl, but more so about the legacy, not only of Patrick Mahomes, but of the Kansas City Chiefs. So my question to you, if the Chiefs lose to the Eagles, and they're favored, or they're not favored right now to the Eagles, they are two-and-a-half-point underdog to Philly. So the Eagles are favored to beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs go in as the underdog. But if Kansas City loses, how do you view this season? Is it a lost season? Is it a season in which you're left wanting more? Are you content? Are you satisfied? Are you pissed off? How would you feel if the Chiefs lose to the Eagles and they are 1-2 and two in their last three Super Bowls? 
uh, I guess it depends on how on how you lose it uh, per se, because there are um, there there is no bad like you said no bad loss in the Super Bowl, but you can lose the Super Bowl in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, or an ugly way, considering what we saw in Super Bowl Fifty Five. But uh, Chiefs were hurting that one, of course, as we know. Um, yeah. I want to say I, I wouldn't want to say missed opportunity because right now Mahomes is only, I mean, five years and going to three Super Bowl, three Super Bowls. I think that maybe it can it has the it has the chance to be seen as a missed opportunity when it's all said and done if Mahomes doesn't make it back to another Super Bowl for the rest of his career, um, especially if he doesn't win one for the rest of his career too, um, depending on who their ma- future Super Bowl matchups are against. Uh, and what were the other options? Sorry, I was focused on that one. Um, missed opportunity, uh, left feeling empty, you said? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, because they still got the win over the Bengals. I want to... They're kind of at the same. They're kind of playing a little bit with house money, but it they stumbled upon a. They they definitely they're playing they're, a little bit. They're playing with house money because they weren't expected to be in this game outside of Kansas City, of course. Yeah. Um. God, the fan the fan of me, uh, sees sees as a missed opportunity, but. Kind of the non biasy part of me, it it, it 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 would it would hurt because I I, I, I just it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a missed opportunity, but it 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 wouldn't leave it 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 wouldn't leave you feeling empty, but. It would leave. I'm, I'm stuck on just it leaving, leaving one more, what one more, because yeah. that's the hump right now for Patrick Mahomes is getting to that second ring. When we talk about legacies, because he, right, what he did versus what Aaron Rodgers, the most recent example of a one of a one ring winner, maybe uh, you you look at those quarterbacks, Russell Wilson and and Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Whereas Russell didn't get the other, Rodgers never made it back. Mahomes can def- can get that get over that hump of a second ring. I, I okay, sorry, I'll go back on my answer. Missed oppor- missed opportunity then because he's missing the opportunity to get that get over that hump and get his second ring. Where I think there isn't as much against you than there was against. Tampa Bay because you were just missing so many guys on that offensive line and and although the Chiefs were going favorites in that one so missed opportunity final answer I'm going back on my I'm going missed back opportunities on and you know that there's so many great quarterbacks in the NFL that only got one or two Peyton Manning has two Super Bowls and we consider him one of the greatest of all times I think right now Patrick Mahomes is going to go down as the greatest of all time or one of them if not if he wins three Super Bowls I said three or four Okay, and I think we've already seen that the the precedent has been laid here, right? You are going to be competing for a lot of Super Bowls. This will not be the last Super Bowl that Patrick Mahomes appears in. But if he goes one and four in Super Bowls, appears in five, he's still a damn good quarterback, but it always hangs on you. It always leaves you wanting more. And the fact that Tom Brady was so successful in cashing in, it makes you envy that. Because Tom Brady is not the most physically gifted quarterback there was. He's very coachable, high IQ, won a lot. But he doesn't have the arm talent, the mobility, 
the flashiness, the record-breaking talent that Patrick Mahomes possesses. And when you have that in this prime window, it's all about maximizing. Not saying this is a disastrous season if they lose. Because Patrick Mahomes is going to appear in more Super Bowls. But you really want to get that second. That's why I've always believed you get that second, you really put yourself in a different category. And especially so early in your career. Tom Brady's really the only other quarterback to be this successful early on. And it was more so because he had a great defense, great coach, great system around him. Not a system quarterback, just he didn't have to play that well. Patrick Mahomes has really had to play very well this year to put the Chiefs in this situation. You cap it off with an MVP and a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, you, you could talk about already being a Hall of Famer right now. In fact, I think he is. And you could maybe even question, is he the greatest of all time because he's done so much and really been the star of that team through his first five years? He has been the star. Was Tom Brady the star in New England through his first five years? Uh, you tell me. You give me your answer. We'll have plenty of more Chiefs-Eagles to get into the remainder of this week and next week on the leading up to the Super Bowl next Sunday night. That'll be at 5.30 right now, Philly is a two-point favorite over the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think, of course, it's a must-win, but I think it's more so a must-win for this city, for the legacy of Mahomes, and for the legacy of your Kansas City Chiefs. We'll take our first break of the show. When we come back, a preview of a colossal showdown tonight in Lawrence, the Sunflower Showdown Round 2 between two top 10 teams, the Kansas State Wildcats and the Jayhawks. We'll dive into that next on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN, Kansas City.
Back here on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. Round two of the Sunflower Showdown tonight in Lawrence at Allen Fieldhouse. The seventh-ranked Kansas State Wildcats at 18-3 will be playing the 17-4 and and eighth-ranked Kansas Jayhawks. And if there's one thing Vegas is telling you, it's that they expect the Jayhawks to respond in a big, big way after losing in Manhattan just two weeks ago. An eight-and-a-half-point spread in Lawrence. The total in this game is at 145-and-a-half. The only downside is this game's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Tip-off at 7 p.m. and ESPN Plus tip. Marco reacts very negatively behind the board over there, and I get it. Right, I get it that you want to get the most subscribers, and you know these are two passionate fan bases that'll spend the money to watch this game, but there is a lot of unranked matchups tonight on ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPNU, but Kansas and Kansas State will be on ESPN Plus tonight. Uh, the first matchup in Manhattan was on ESPN, but not so lucky this time around in Lawrence in what should be the biggest game, I think, for the Jayhawks this year, especially since you lost to your rival first time around. It is going to be hostile as hell tonight. Uh, We've seen Allen Fieldhouse be angry before. We've seen it be loud. We've seen him break the Guinness Book of World Records of an indoor stadium. Decibels reaching north of 130. Not saying they get there tonight, but it's a different beast when you're playing Kansas State, and it's a very good Kansas State team. And it's why Vegas, I think, has the spread so high in this game. I mean, Kansas State has played very well on the road in conference play. You beat Texas. You beat Baylor. You beat. You almost beat Iowa State. You lost to TCU, but this Kansas State team can hang in there. They've only been blown out on the road once in conference play. That was TCU. They also got blown out by Butler in the non-con. I don't know. There's just a, a different feel when you're playing in Allen Fieldhouse, and you may say, well, it's the officials. Well, it's the, the loudspeakers. Right? You're not going to get the calls, and Kansas State hasn't won there since 2006. But I think there's even a lesser chance, you feel like playing the odds, that Kansas State wins in Allen Fieldhouse because they already won in Bramlage. Now, they haven't swept Kansas in basketball and won the football game earlier in the year since 1982-1983. It's been that long. Kansas State never sweeps Kansas. And that's why I think when you can play the odds here, I mean, go back to Saturday with Kansas playing Kentucky. Kentucky was favored. Felt like Kansas was playing horribly. They'd lost three in a row. And then you play the odds. Bill Self had never lost four games in a row at Kansas. And what happened? The Jayhawks come out with a big win at Rupp Arena. And Kansas never gets swept by Kansas State. And especially not when you play in Bramlage, first go around and lose. This has a very similar feel to 2008, the Michael Beasley year. And I think I've brought up this game multiple times. Kansas State won. Snapped the long losing streak to Kansas. Not just in Manhattan, not just in Lawrence. They hadn't beaten Kansas in Bramlage, in Manhattan. It was like 25 or 26 tries. They snapped a long streak. Kansas State was very good that year. Beasley, Bill Walker, 
Frank Martin. It was a ridiculous team. They had the number one overall recruit in Beasley. And then college game day comes to Lawrence. It was the Kansas team that went on to win the national championship in San Antonio. But here comes Beasley and the Cats and a very good ranked Kansas State team. And Michael Beasley said, we don't care where we play him. We'll play him in Manhattan. Lawrence, Africa, will beat him anywhere. And that was an unhinged Allen Fieldhouse. It was a fired-up team, and Kansas ran them out of the building. It wasn't close. Now, Beasley still dropped 30-plus points, but Kansas dominated. It wasn't close. Now, does this Kansas team have a domination factor to them? I think they've shown it, but this Kansas State team is not to be you know, trifled with. It's not a bad Kansas State team. It's not a Kansas State team that is, I guess, overachieved to this point. I mean, I think we can stop saying that every time they win, it's just, wow, that was a shock. No, they're a good team. Yeah, they're overachieving from their season predictions, but now I think you can expect Kansas State to win games. Not an Allen Fieldhouse, but over the course of the season, you know, they're expected to beat Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. We saw last night, the Big 12 was just a gauntlet. 0-8 Texas Tech in conference play overcomes a 23-point deficit to Iowa State and wins. Iowa State was at the top of the conference and a team that we just called, or I called at least, the best team in the Big 12 last week. Now I've lost back-to-back games. That's how quickly things can flip in this conference. Now Kansas is in the middle of this brutal stretch. They get Kansas State tonight, they get Iowa State and names on Saturday, and they get Texas, who's now atop the Big 12. So still, just a brutal stretch of play for Kansas, but that's why it was so vitally important they won on Saturday against Kentucky. As for Kansas State, they bounced back from their loss to Iowa State and hammered Florida. But I think you can understand the type of animosity that's going to be there tonight. Kansas State has not played in an environment like this all season long. Ames can get hostile. Hilton can get hostile. And they don't like Kansas State. They even had the FK State chant which I had never really heard before in the opposing arena. But now you get Allen Fieldhouse, who, of course, is angry about the first go-around. And you know what? Don't be a Kansas fan that says, oh, they don't care about Kansas State, whether they're good or bad. This is the biggest game of the season for Kansas. I think you can go as far to say that. You don't want to get swept, but it's also a Kansas State team that's ranked 7th nationally. You can't get away with, oh, this game doesn't matter. This game means a lot. This is the biggest game, I think, to date on the schedule for Kansas. Because you win this game, now you're starting to feel pretty good. Feel like you can roll into Ames and beat Iowa State. Having the confidence you can beat Texas again. A win against Kansas State and a win in which you win by double digits? Oh yeah, that can be that season-changing type of win. I feel like Kansas got that at Rupp Arena on Saturday. We saw Bill Self in a suit be animated, fist-pumping, You know Kansas is about to go on a tear when you have that emotional type of win. So maybe Kansas State's catching Kansas at a bad time. Or maybe they're catching him at the right time, not coming off three or four straight losses. As for this Kansas State team, I think it's pretty simple. Uh, If you are going to win in Lawrence tonight, you're going to have to have a phenomenal game from your front court. You know, Marquise Newell and Keontae Johnson, they're going to get theirs. This is the exact same preview we did when these teams met in Manhattan. Now, Marquise Noel didn't play well. Only had four points in that game. Keontae Johnson was great. Desi Sills was great. And yes, you need bench production tonight if you're going to beat Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse. But I think it starts with the front court. Naquan Tomlin, Tomlin, Bebe Igiola. Those guys have to perform. David Gasson, who just came back from injury. The big men have to play tonight and play well if you're Kansas State. 
they don't play well, they don't rebound, Kansas is going to run them out of the damn building. That's how fired up, that's how emotional this Kansas team will be. Jalen Wilson takes that personally, the loss in Manhattan after he nearly put up 40. Everybody on that Kansas team took that loss personally. And that's why it's a dangerous game to play with if you don't have your A game. Kansas State cannot win with their B-plus game tonight. They have to play an A to A-plus game to win in Lawrence. That's how tough it is to win in Allen Fieldhouse. Now, Marco, looking at this game, you know, Kansas never gets swept by Kansas State. Kansas never loses to Kansas State in Allen Fieldhouse. And though the Cats are higher ranked tonight, it's clear Vegas believes Kansas is going to have a hell of a performance tonight. An eight-and-a-half-point spread on this game. I thought it'd be closer to three or four, but that also shows the home court advantage that Kansas has at Allen Fieldhouse. So simple question here. How do you see this going down? Is Kansas State going to hang around the majority of this game? It's going to be back and forth, leads both ways, maybe 12 or 13 lead changes, and it's decided in the final minutes? Or do you see Kansas just blowing the doors off Kansas State because of that first loss, because of the way the environment's going to be tonight? It's going to be the loudest it is all season. It's a different beast when Allen Fieldhouse has a reason to be pumped up. They got more than enough reasons after Kansas State won in the first go-round in Bramlage. So how do you see the shaking down? Blowout for Kansas, close win for Kansas, or an upset win for the Cats? I, th- I see Kansas winning. Um, I don't. I didn't see them covering in the highest that I've in the highest uh, spread that I've seen so far is minus nine from Caesar Sportsbook, um, which shocked me too. I was thinking three or four yeah. as well. Uh, favoring Kansas, but I see Kansas winning uh, in this one just because I think that better coaching, uh, you got the home court behind you. You just gave a great example of why, uh, even if you don't have the better roster, um, just the motiv- motivating your team and getting, the- and sometimes it's the opponent uh, doing that for you, but. Um, in this case, I don't think any K-State player has had a has quote out there like Michael Beasley did back in mm-hmm. 09. No one's talking. No one was chirped. No one's chirped like he like he did. So um, that's where I favor KU. But you you talking about the uh, front court of Kansas State and KU and how it can be a mismatch and how if they don't show a fight. They don't have to be winning, but a fight down low against Kansas, it's where the game could get blown apart or where the doors could get blown off. That um, that lit up something in my brain. It's like, you know, not, there wasn't a better time to get that matchup with Kentucky in than right before where you're going up against Kansas State um, if you're KU because – you kind of you you beaten uh, one of the better front courts led by one of the best players in the country uh, this past weekend, and so getting that confidence and uh, using that into this game against Kansas State, maybe that's where Vegas sees the uh, sees the blowout happening with KU for tonight. Yeah, I just think that it, when you have this type of perfect storm, if you're Kansas, you just came off a big win against Kentucky. Kansas State, of course, still playing very well and competing to win the Big 12. And if they win against Kansas tonight, I think they would be the favorite. A lot can change because Texas is 7-2 and two right now in sole possession of first place in the Big 12. But if Kansas wins, I think the rest of the Big 12 is going, all right, uh, here they come. And you got to find a way to hold them off here down the stretch because Kansas always seems to find a way, not only in doing things themselves, but you see teams like Iowa State lose to 0-8 Texas Tech. 11-10 and 10 Texas Tech. That bleep happens. Kansas State could go into Morgantown and lose. 
We saw Oklahoma lead by 30 in the second half against second-ranked Alabama. The bottom of the Big 12 is scarier than any other bottom in any other conference. Better than the ACC, better than the Big 10, better than the SEC, and that's why no game is an easy out. But when you have matchups like this and you find a way to win, that's what separates you. You know, I always felt like the end of the Big 12, the end of the race, is going to come down to who can win in Norman, who can win in Stillwater, who doesn't slip up against the lesser teams. Kansas has shown in years past they don't typically, but you'll have a team like Baylor who does, a team like Texas that does, a team like Kansas State that does. It's almost February. Tomorrow will be February 1st. And then it's a mad dash to the finish. One last month before everybody meets back up in Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament. There are about five or six teams that could win this conference, but the separation starts tomorrow over the next three or four weeks. In February, that's when the teams start to separate. I expect that team of six to go down to four, then to go down to two. Who knows if Kansas and Kansas State will be those top two teams. Tip off tonight at 7 p.m. in Allen Fieldhouse, unfortunately, on ESPN+. Plus, The Hawks, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite going into this game. Before we go to some fact or fiction, some baseball news to go over. It appears the Royals are bringing back Zach Greinke on a one-year deal worth up to 8 to $10 million. A lot of incentives involved there. So the Royals add another piece to the rotation, and it's very clear what they're trying to do this offseason, or J.J. Bacol is trying to do this offseason, he wants stability in the rotation. He doesn't want a lot of unknowns. Last year, the Royals went in with a lot of unknowns. That rotation consisted of Brady Singer, or excuse me, at the end, Brady Singer. Brady Singer was out of the bullpen to start the year, but you had Brad Keller. You know, you had Grinkin, of course. You had Daniel Lynch. You had Chris Bubich. You had Carlos Hernandez. Four of those five guys were never going to give you over 30 starts. Granke had before. He was the one piece that was pretty much a, you knew what he was going to give you every single time out. He was that solid foundational piece. Now the Royals have three guys I think you can pretty much estimate what they're going to give you. That's Granke, that's Jordan Lyles, that's Brady Singer. The other two spots, it's going to be up in the air. But it's clear the Royals want some stability that when you go out to Kauffman Stadium, you go out to the ballpark on a Friday or a Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, you see Granky's on the bump, Jordan Lyles is on the bump, Brady Singer's on the bump, you go, okay, I think you'll be in the game. It's not going to be a disaster. Where last year, you went out to a game with Carlos Hernandez on the bump, Chris Bubich, John Heasley. You went, uh, I mean, this could go one or two ways. Either he's getting through six and allowing two runs or less, or he's given up seven in the first nine batters. That's just a possibility if you go to the game. But the Royals want to have more stability in the rotation, more stability in the bullpen, and that's going to help this young team, this young offense. You know, when this young offense sputters a little bit, only give you two or three, you want to be able to trust a guy to give you five innings and one run ball. Grinky can do that. He was fine last year, I would say. You know, didn't log over 140 innings, but ERA was south of 3-7. Walk rate was among the best in baseball, but he did get hit a lot. You know, he gave up more hits than innings pitched. That was the first time it happened for Granke since 2016. But I like this move. It's cheap. One-year deals are fine. I expect J.J. Bacola to be more aggressive at the deadline than Dayton Moore was. He's not going to be looking at Granke to be the motivational or veteran guy in the clubhouse in September. 
No, he will flip Zach Grinke at the deadline if he's pitching well enough, which I expect him to be probably pitching okay. Well, let's go with that. He stays healthy. Grinke's going to be right around four ERA, walk rate less than, you know, maybe three guys per nine, not striking out a bunch. You know, his FIP's fine. Swing and miss rate is pretty average, probably below average at this point. But he's going to throw a lot of strikes. He's going to keep the Royals in a lot of games. You know, probably log somewhere between 15 and 16 starts before he would be dealt at the deadline. But a one-year deal for Granke, around 8 to 10 million. We'll probably get the final numbers today. But Royals add another piece to the rotation. Now it's starting to come into place. Now we're starting to see how it's going to be formed. More veteran guys in this group than there were last year. It's clear J.J. Piccolo wants to see the stability, the consistency in this new rotation. Now it's time for some Factor Fiction. Five questions, five takes, in under five minutes. Marco, fire away. Factor Fiction. Patrick Mahomes appears in at least two more Super Bowls. I feel like I want to go fact here, but also to the point of what we had in the opening segment. There's no guarantee. Right, you can get to one and think, wow, he's going to get to five or six more. There's no guarantee. Guys get hurt. Coaches leave. Schedules don't favor you. Bleep happens. But I do think over the course of his entire career, he will at least get to two, two more Super Bowls. And I'm hoping if you're Patrick Mahomes, you get to two more, that puts you at five. Hopefully you're three and two in those games. I think that would be a very satisfying number to get three Super Bowl rings over the course of your career. I'll go fact, I think in the next decade plus, Patrick Mahomes will get to at least two more Super Bowls. Fact or fiction, Patrick Mahomes wins a second Super Bowl MVP. They always give it to the quarterback. They always do, whether he plays well or not. I don't think he played that well in 2020. It's because he just led the charge, led the comeback against the Niners. But I do think fact. If the Chiefs win that game against the Eagles, he will be the Super Bowl MVP, whether he plays outside his mind or just well enough to win the game. Fact or fiction, KU at rebounds, K-State by 10. I think fact. I think KU's going to have a very good game on the glass. They just have a better front court. Uh, Zuby Ejiofor will not be playing in this game. He's got a boot on his foot, but Ernest Uday played well against Kentucky. I expect to see him a lot tonight. KJ Adams has been playing better of late. Jalen Wilson, I think, will be aggressive on the glass. This should be a game where Kansas should dominate on the glass. If K-State wants to stay in it, though, they're going to have to hang around being even or maybe being out by just about two or three. Fact or fiction, K-State shoots a higher percentage from three than KU. I'm going to go fiction on this as well. I just feel like Kansas is going to play really, really well tonight. They always seem to in games like this. I expect Kansas State to hang around. I'd probably take the Cats to cover, but I do think Kansas plays very well, especially early on in this game. All righty. Factor Fiction, Granke makes over 25 starts for the Royals. Uh, fiction on that. I think that he is going to be a guy that gives you around 15 or 16 before he's dealt to the deadline. If he stays there all season long, then yeah, probably around 27, 28 starts. But again, he's got to stay healthy. He wasn't that healthy last year. But he's also consistent enough to stay in that rotation. But before July, before the end of July, I don't know if he's going to make more than 20 or 25 starts for the Royals. I'll go Fiction on that. There is Ray Charles, so it's time to go. That wraps up another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City.